Jesus, we glorify your name this morning. We love you, Lord Jesus. Why don't you just lift up your voice and just speak and adoration for our Lord and Savior. We love you, Lord Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. You're the Alpha and the Omega. You're at the beginning of history and you will be standing at the end of history. And Lord, we thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for every single one of our lives. And we just say this morning, Lord Jesus, we love you. Be exalted, O God, in our midst this morning. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. My name is Paul Childers, and uh, I originally come from New Zealand. So, g'day, everyone. Uh, g'day. And uh, I live in Hawaii. So, I want to also greet you with a big aloha. No, that's, that's not good enough. You know, uh, in Hawaii, when we say that, we expect a response. So let's try that one more time. I know it's a little early this morning, but I just want to greet you with one big aloha. Aloha. All right, I feel right at home. Okay, that's good. So I'm here today with uh, my wife, Susie, and also my daughter, Gabrielle Joy, who um, we'll be introducing in just a minute. And we are working with a mission organization called Youth with a Mission. And uh, my wife and I are leading, actually, the work of Youth with a Mission in uh, Kailua Kona, Hawaii. And uh, we are very, very blessed to be able to be with you this morning. But in reality, I've also been coming here for about 20 years, not quite on 20 years. And so I think uh, for many of you, we're, we're old friends uh, or acquaintances, and it's just wonderful to be back here. Uh, this message uh, is a part of the series that we'll be sharing today about Echo. And I gotta say, Pastor John Leach, his impact of his life has echoed in my life. I remember sitting in a snowy car park outside a storefront church in Highlands Ranch. I had just come out of Afghanistan, and this was in 2001, and he imparted into my life leadership principles. And those principles have, have stayed with me ever since that day and have sustained me um, in the development of my leadership um, in YWAM, Youth with a Mission, and around the world as well. So really grateful to Pastor John, as well as Chris, as well as yourselves. Um, we are so blessed to, have, uh, to be supported by you and your work as well, and your investment uh, in our lives echoes through the work that we do in Kona and, the, and around the world. And so we're just very, very, very grateful. Um, so today, the topic is about echo. And as I was preparing for this message, um, I thought, man, this is a really cool um, noun to actually think about. Because echoing, the effect of an act, you don't see till sort of like after the event. You know, the thing that puts into action the event is God speaking to His people. And then His people responding to that and then actually putting God's will into action. And, but you don't see the impact of the echo until kind of sometime later. And uh, just as I was about to get on the plane to come here with Susie and Gabrielle Joy, I uh, experienced an echo from an action that we had taken years ago. In fact, almost 11 years ago, Susie had gone into the Amazon jungle to support the indigenous people of the Amazon to stand up for life. 
Um, the issue was that um, children uh, were being killed needlessly because they were born of a twin or triplet or handicapped or born to a single mother and they were, they were being killed indiscriminately. And the government tacitly supported that. And so Susie went in there to support the indigenous people to stand against this. And it was to actually promote a law called Muaji's Law that uh, got passed through the Human Rights Commission of the Brazilian government, but never was blocked from being voted. But just on Thursday, the day that we started to come to Denver, I got the news that it was finally passed into law. Isn't that awesome? And so in coming here, we heard an echo of an outreach that had happened 11 years before and a book publication that we had actually um, uh, printed and supported this uh, law project. Uh, and we heard the echo finally coming into reality. And so we are so glad to be here. You will have seen coming in a lot of Susie's photography work. She's a photographer by profession. Came into the ministry to be a photographer in missions. And so you'll see a lot of her work out there. And all of her work is to encourage people's lives to engage somehow in God's work around the world, to enable us to see a little more clearly His heart and to also be engaged. So um, on the way out, you can also visit this book table and we'll be very happy to give you more information. Okay, Susie. Oh, by the way, this is a tag team kind of message. So I'm handing it over to Susie now. It was during the years of the Great uh, Depression when on a Sunday morning, a mother decided to go to church. It was morning like today, and there was a preacher challenging people to give their lives to Jesus. She had never done this before, but that morning she knew this was her time. She walked up and gave her life to Jesus, and her life was changed forever. And she started to proclaim that her family will serve the Lord. And although she only turned 44 years old when she died, her life still ripples into today. And today, her great-granddaughter will come up here on stage and present a Hawaiian hula blessing to you. So I want to invite my daughter, Gabriel Choi, to dance for us. And you're going to see it's a bit of Hawaiian language you might not know and understand so we have a few slides in the background. And the pictures that you see there are taken by her brother, Levi. He was 13 when he took them. He's 14 now. Um, and it's all about waves and creatures in the ocean. He loves doing that. So here is the great-granddaughter of that amazing woman. E manku manku i loko kalani. E ano i inua. Ehiki mai ko apuni, e malama ia ko make make makahonuane. Eliki me ia i malama ia makalanila. Eha avi mai ia mako ike yala, aina mako nune yala. Kala mai ho ia mako ika mako lave halana. Me mako ika lane ika poe lave halai ika mako. Mai ho uku o ia mako ika ho vale vale mai. Opa Kelenona, a Yamako, Kaino, no Kamea, no Kiaupuni, a Mekamana, a Mekahonani, a Mauluaku. Amen. 
Thank you, Gabrielle Joy. Isn't it amazing how the echo of the commitment and decision of a woman back in the Great Depression, who only lived a short life, can echo through to today, through her kids. And it's that decision that we make for Jesus, the commitment that we use to follow him, can actually echo through the generations. Long after, people have forgotten our names, but that commitment, the, the way that we wanna serve the Lord can echo. Isn't that awesome? It says uh, in Exodus that, um, that God shows love to the thousandth generation of those who love him. And so I just want to encourage any of you who are here this morning, and, uh, and maybe you're not walking with the Lord. Maybe you don't have that firm commitment and resolve to follow him. I just want to encourage you, don't leave today until you have made that absolute decision that with your life, you're gonna serve God. And as the song says, surrender all to him, Amen? amen? And when we make that decision and we speak that over our children and over our grandchildren, the reality of that commitment can echo through. It says in the Bible, to one thousand generations. God is a multi-generational God, and He believes in sending that blessing through. So I believe one of the fundamental ways that our lives can echo into the generations and into eternity is by us 100% committing to follow the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen? And we will send that blessing through, the, through time. So even when people don't remember our name, they will feel the effect of the decisions that we have made to follow the Lord Jesus. And it's an action that creates an echo. It's an event that sends the ripples that go forward. And as I was kind of meditating on this, thinking about this theme... I, uh, I sort of done a little bit of scientific research. I love reading some of the scientific stuff because fundamentally it makes me want to worship God because He is so awesome, amen? Um, true science should lead us to glorify Him. And the original scientists, in fact, did that. But there was, this, um, there was this big machine the scientists were building so that they could pick up gravitational waves. And uh, in 2017, they turned on this machine I believe it was in California, and they picked up this gravitational wave, and it like worked exactly the way they thought it should. And it was kind of this sound like, plop, like that. And it was like, what's the big deal about that? The scientists were like, man, this is such a big deal. This is amazing. But what had happened, um, many, many millions of light years away, two black holes had sort of collided violently together and had sort of smashed themselves to smithereens. And what it did, this event was so dramatic that it actually sent a ripple through time and space itself. And that's what they call a gravitational wave. And that's why the scientists were all excited. Uh, well, I gotta say that there is another event that happened that was even more powerful and more dramatic than this gravitational wave. And this 
event sent a shockwave through time that has changed and transformed the world. And this is when Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross, and then when he was raised from the dead three days later, the work that he did on the cross has sent a shockwave through time to this very day. Amen? Now, he got his inspiration from hearing the voice of the Father, learning to recognize that voice when he speaks to us, and then learning to act on it. Jesus said, I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me. And so we can follow his example by hearing and obeying his voice, doing what he said. We can create events also through our life that sent that impact through time. And, uh, and that's what Jesus did. And so the reality of this event, when Jesus said, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I'll draw everyone to myself. And the ripple effect of his laying down his life for us is being felt more and more and more strongly. True echoes that God creates don't dilute over time, amen? They just get stronger and stronger and more powerful and more dramatic. Can anyone say amen? Amen. And we see this in our ministry, even in YWAM Kona, where in Myanmar and Burma, which has been a, a nation that's been closed for many, many uh, decades. Just the last year, we saw 8,000 people there give their lives to the Lord Jesus. Isn't that awesome? This ripple effect has gone out. And in the Philippines, uh, last year we saw 116,000 people, young people, give their life to the Lord Jesus. And this is happening all over the world. God's power is getting stronger and stronger through evangelism and discipleship. And so um, there are events of discipleship and evangelism that we can do that send this echo through time. I was in a slum in uh, southern Nigeria. I have a few pictures with me. Um, a, a place of desperation, hopelessness, injustice. Anything you, you know about bad stuff happening, it would happen there. And uh, I was there because I had met a young person at YWAM in Nigeria, and he told me about his home. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, go and visit his home. And while I was there, I found myself sitting opposite of a guy that was a killer. He had killed many people, had a terrible lifestyle, like most of the young people from that slum. By the age of nine or 10, they have to step into some kind of a military um, gang in order to survive. And one way they do what they do is they play with black magic and they kill people to get rams ransoms from the government and uh, so that they can buy weapons and they have terrible lifestyles. And as I was there, I met this young person and uh, he was really challenging me as he just looked at me. And I thought to myself, man, no one in Wyoming has, has prepared me for a moment like this. And what do you talk to someone like that? What do you say? And you know, my brain is often slower than my mouth. So I opened my mouth and I did that in that moment and the most random thing came out. I said, hey, are you making good choices in your life these days? <laughs> and I'm like, how could I say that? And he said, uh, kind of. And I said, I guess you're making a lot of bad choices, don't you? Again, I'm like, what did I say? 
And he said, yeah, kind of. And I said, you want to change that? And he said, maybe. And I realized I had one chance. There, there are times in our lives where we meet a person one time. And you might be the only Bible-believing, born-again Christian that will share their faith with that one person. And I knew it was such a moment for me. I had one chance to share with him about Jesus. And so I did. I gave him a simple gospel message. The gospel is really simple. And I told him about Jesus, and he listened. And he asked me some really good questions, and we started a little bit of a discussion. And I realized, you know, we could discuss for the rest of the day, but there needed to be a decision made. And so it, it took my courage. I said to him, do you want this Jesus to come into your life? And to my very surprise, after like 10, 15 minutes of, of talk, he said, yes, I'd like to. I was so shocked. I didn't know what to do. I turned to the six. I had six you know, bodyguards with me from Wyrum because they didn't want to let me go there alone. And I said to them, hey, you just did your discipleship training course. You know how to do this. Why don't you lead him to Christ? And sure enough, they did it. They were all excited, right? And we prayed together. And he willingly gave his life to Jesus. And it was amazing. You know, just after he had prayed, he looked very different. This is just after he had prayed, I show you the picture again, how he looked before. His face immediately softened. God immediately started to work in him. And it was beautiful. And I said to the others, so what are we going to do with this guy? And they said, what do you mean? And I said, well, we can't leave him here. He, you know, he just made a decision. He doesn't know what it means. He needs to get discipleship. And they looked at each other and out of one mouth came, he needs to do a discipleship training course. At Wyoming, because that's the only thing they knew. They had no clue that the body of Christ was bigger by then. And so I said, well, that would be a good idea, but you're going to have to ask your boss if you can just bring him. So they went on the phone, and I turned over to the guy and said, hey, do you want to do a school? And he said, yeah. And I said, do you have any money? And he said, no. I said, you have no money at all? He said, no. I couldn't imagine that. I said, any coins maybe? <laughs> and he said, no. And I'm like, dang, he, he has no money. And again, my mouse was faster than my brain. And I said, hey, hey, what's your name? And he said, my name is Promise. And I said, hey, Promise, I make you a promise. And I laughed because I thought it was funny. <laughs> but I said, I make you a promise. I'm going to pay for your DTS. And then I stopped and I'm like, What? What did I just say? Did I just say I pay his school? And the other guy said, uh-huh, you did. I'm like, dang. I said, how much is a DTS in Nigeria? And they said, oh, it's about 500 US dollars. I'm like, praise the Lord, much cheaper than Kona, Hawaii. <laughs> but still, I didn't have $500 laying around. But I said, I said what I said, so I, I will make this commitment to you. And we took him literally from his home. He packed the little bag. And we took him to the Wyrum um, Center, and he started his DTS that night. It was amazing. A few days later, I was in Germany flying back home to Kona, Hawaii, but I had to stop in Germany. And so I visited my parents, and I laid in bed at night. I couldn't sleep. And one of the questions that bothered me was, how am I going to pay for this DTS? Making that big call, right? And the Lord, out of nowhere, reminded me of an envelope 
that was somewhere in the room that I was sleeping, and I got up in the middle of the night, searched for it, and I found it. It said, Susie's birthday money. And as I opened it up, it was a little bit more than 500 US dollars. And I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. I totally forgot about that money. Typical. I'm from a stingy tribe in Germany. We're like the Scots. You know, we always save up money and then we never spend it. And there was some of that money that was in that envelope. And I thought, man, that's amazing. But then the second thought came into my mind. Well, that is my money. That was given to me for my birthday. I shouldn't just give it away. And God started to speak to me. And it wasn't that I wanted to hear that, but he said to me, if you're not willing to sacrifice, you have no authority to call others into this. So I knew that I could change my mind. Eight o'clock in the morning, the bank opened up. I walked to the bank with the money in my pocket. I handed it to the clerk and I transferred it to Nigeria so that this guy promised could do his DTS. Little did I know that this would change not just one life, but hundreds of lives. Since then, 1,200 young people have gone through a DTS out of that militancy background and have changed lives. And when I say these guys are militant, I really mean it. I have a few pictures that they took and sent to me because I said, you're going to have to show me how your life was before. So I'm not talking about some young people making bad choices along the way. They are real terrorists. I mean, they have weapons. They kill people. They are not afraid. And that's how they look. And then they do a discipleship training course. And they got to get a hold of their lives. And on their graduation, they look like that. So our lives can echo through uh, action and steps that we take to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus to others. And uh, just out of this one simple example, when Susie took courage to share the gospel in a context that, frankly, she wasn't that comfortable being in, but because she did it and because she followed up on what God said, the effect of that has rippled. And uh, it's amazing. Um, this whole context, um, YWAM has been able to bring peace for many, many years to southern Nigeria through people sharing the gospel and engaging these young people in missions. It's amazing, amen? So I really want to encourage you, take the opportunities to share the good news. But why don't we sort of pull this a little bit closer and zero in even on our personal lives. Our own lives can echo in the context of our family. And, um, and I think even, even in, a, in, a, in a very, very powerful way, our families can feel the impact of that. And uh, I learned this in 2009. I was in a little bit of a difficult spot. I was crying out to the Lord that I needed change and renewal in my life. And I felt the Lord say this to me. Memorize the New Testament. That should do it for you. I was shocked. I didn't know that God had a Kiwi accent. But... <laughs> Apparently, right? He speaks to me in a Kiwi accent. Sure, he talks to you in a good American accent too, and to Susie in German. But uh, I didn't know if I could do that. Anyway, I'm a busy guy, right? I've got a lot of responsibilities, young kids. Where am I going to find time to do that? But I knew that God was calling me. And, um, and I said, okay, Lord, the only time I can see is to, just to get up two hours before I normally would. So I set my alarm for 3.50 a.m. every morning, made myself a big liter of coffee, chugged it down, 
and tried to clear my brain and learn the gospel of Mark. And I, I was able to do it. And uh, people heard about it and they came up to me and they said, wow, you learned the gospel of Mark? Why the gospel of Mark? Well, I think you know. It's the shortest gospel, right? <laughs> and so, but, but as I was doing this, it, it was having an echo effect into the life of my oldest son, well, my son Levi. And he was about five years old at the time and I'd hear a patter of footfalls uh, through our little condo and he would come and sit on the couch and just listen to me uh, quote and speak out the words of the Gospel of Mark. One day, I was learning the story about how Jesus healed a blind man. And in Mark, you know how he did that? He went right up to this blind man and he spat right into his face. And Levi sitting on the couch was like, his eyes got like this big. And he said, Daddy, that was a bad choice. <laughs> and... I said, well, not for Jesus, but for you, it would be a bad choice. Um, and, and I began to see how the word started coming alive in his own life as a five-year-old. A little bit later, some years later, I was learning the gospel of John. And he heard about the story of Jesus turning the water into wine. A little bit later that day, we were at the beach. And he was standing stock still, staring out to the horizon. And, uh, and I kind of looked, and I'm like, what's so interesting? And I came, and I stood next to him, and I kind of stared, and I couldn't see anything. Finally, I said, Levi, what are you looking at? And he said, oh, Daddy, I asked Jesus to turn the water into wine. <laughs> and he was waiting for the Pacific Ocean to turn into wine. See, but the Word of God was coming alive in his own spirit. And in an amazing way, this act that, and dedication that I had made had this echo effect in the context of our family, where it has really become the core and the foundation of our um, family life. And I mean, in an amazing way, um, it's kind of become this sort of stock standard thing that we do every morning now, spend time in the Word of God. And, uh... Well, wait, wait here. Um, that sounds really nice, right? And wow, amazing. But it wasn't all like that. I mean, he shares it from his perspective. Now, now hear mine. You know, the alarm clock would get up at 3.50, and I'm like, I never committed to God to learn the gospel. Why do I need to wake up at 3.50? <laughs> then Paul put the grinder on for the coffee, right? I'm like, we had some good arguments about that. I'm like, do that the night before. And then for the next two hours, I would hear him mumbling, you know. And I'm like, I never sign up for this. And then he came up with this glorious idea to get the family up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Our little daughter was five. I said, you can't do that with a five-year-old. The boys are all like early morning risers. The girls are like night owls. We love to to stay up late, and we, we, we value every second in bed in the morning. So to this day, you know, we would, the three girls are laying on the sofa half asleep, um, and, and the boys are all, you know, awake and, and ready for the day. But what really um, made me commit to this decision was I went back to Germany, and my friends had their kids at a normal age. I was really late in life to have the kids. And so uh, their kids are all off to university and making their life's decisions. 
And it really struck me that even though the parents were, my friends were born again Christians, they were with me in our home groups, we, we led things together, they had good intentions for their kids about their faith. They were not able to pass on their faith to their children. You know, the, the, the decisions the kids make, are, make today are based on culture, on, um, you know, what everyone else does. They are not based on the Bible. And I think the parents thought, well, they said that. We thought it's enough to take them to church once a week and maybe to a youth group. But it's what the kids see every day in our lives, what's going to, you know, challenge them and change them. If we don't pray in front of meals, why would they start praying for meals, you know, and thank the Lord? If they don't see us read the Bible, why would they ever pick up a Bible and read it? If we don't pray for the decisions together that are coming up before us, how would, we, you know, how would they ever know that they should pray for directions? And so I realized, you know, it's a great um, privilege we have with our children, but it's also a great responsibility because God gave that to the parents. To, to, to impart our faith into them. And we do that every morning, six o'clock, and it's not a big deal. No one prepares for it. We either read a part, we watch a little uh, video from a gospel, we pray for a certain nation, we just do different things so that it doesn't get boring. And then we ask ourselves, what did we learn about Jesus this morning? And even a five-year-old can say something. And then we pray together for things that happen in the world, for difficult meetings we have, we share with our kids, um, for, for uh, sick people in our family, and it's very simple. And this little act that we do every day, five days a week, has become the center of our family life. It's been amazing to see that. So it wasn't without sacrifices, great sacrifices of all of us, because there is not a good time to meet as a family. We tried it at night, it didn't work, because there are too many things going on at night. Um, but the morning was the only time, and we had to make a decision, is you know, the Word of God important enough for us to do this with our kids at 6 o'clock in the morning? So just a little challenge for you too. <laughs> Thank you, Susie. So our lives can echo in the context of our family. Also, our lives echo through acts of mercy and kindness that we can make. Susie was in Nigeria, um, and she had a mission to help um, this uh, lady here, Paulina Monti. Uh, actually, she got to know her there. And just an act of kindness to the persecuted church. She had been attacked by, um, by a group of radical extremists, and they had mutilated her, uh, her hands even so that she couldn't take care of her family. But Susie was able to love on her, and the acts of kindness that, she was, that Susie was able to take have resonated as well um, through the years since then. Um, thousands of persecuted Christians have been helped. We've rebuilt 20 churches in this part of Nigeria, and uh, actually, we've just opened, just in the last couple of months, a brand new campus to serve the persecuted church. We've just finished running a discipleship training school with DTS that had people who were persecuted for their faith and the ISIS people who were doing the persecuting that we wanted Jesus through our mission. You know, God can even win the hardest hearts. Amen? Amen. And through acts of kindness, mercy and love, this can also echo into eternity. So what about our lives? We've talked about a number of things. 
making a firm decision to follow the Lord Jesus, that we would do that with commitment and complete surrender to him, and that the effect of that will echo. Secondly, we talked about evangelism and discipleship. Are we willing to take steps to preach the gospel to others and have that echo in other people's lives? The ripple effects will be felt. Thirdly, we talked about even in the context of our family, what actions and what decisions can we make that will have an amazing impact on our family and particularly on our children? And thirdly, and quickly at the end there, we talked a little bit about acts of mercy. How can we help our neighbors, those we come in contact with every day? If we make a step and we do something, that step will echo. Amen? What I'd like to do just in the close of this message is just um, ask ourselves, are we willing to say to the Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you show me to do, to take action in whatever category so that my life can have that echo effect on the lives of others. And so I just want to give you a minute just to think about that. And then I'm just going to simply ask for a simple response, for you simply to stand up and we'll pray a prayer of commitment, saying to the Lord, we are going to live that kind of way that our lives can echo. So Lord, we thank you so much for this morning, the stories and the testimony of your goodness and your grace. And in the quietness of this moment, Lord God, we just pray that you would just speak to our hearts, speak to our lives, Lord God, enable us to say yes to you, that we would say yes to making steps of obedience that would enable our lives to have that echo effect for your kingdom. So if you want to say that to the Lord this morning, would you please just stand up and we'll just pray a prayer of commitment to the Lord, just putting our, 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 our desire into action and just making a physical step where we say, yes, Lord, here am I. So would you repeat this prayer after me? Dear Lord Jesus, Dear Lord Jesus, I'm standing in your presence. I'm standing in your presence. Saying yes. I will obey your voice. Whatever you speak to me. So that my actions and the way I live my life will have an echo effect in other people's lives and would go through into eternity. And so, Lord God, I just pray a blessing on each and every one, Lord God, that as we are standing in this quiet moment, Lord God, that you would just speak um, your inspiration, speak your word of how people can actually engage today, make decisions and actions today that would have an effect on the lives of others. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would speak now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you so much for um, having us come and share. We're so, so grateful to walk with you at JFC. Um, just to really want to encourage you, um, one of the steps and one of the actions that you can take is through the JFC outreaches. And I believe you know what they are. There's a couple of tables out the back there where you can follow up and get more information. Um, sometimes taking that step, um, just kind of practical engagement can have a big impact. 
Also, Susie will be out the back at the uh, photo table. Uh, all these books are designed so that you would be able to feel the heart of God and would be encouraged to take these steps of obedience to the Lord. So thank you so much. God bless you. We so appreciate walking with you in this lifestyle of echo. Amen. Thank you.